Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 299. And I'm alongside my awesome co-host from Austin, Texas, Amanda Powell. And Amanda has been asking me this thing for the last month or so, which really bothered me that we haven't talked about it here on Perpetual Traffic ever. I think maybe back in episode 106, we did a bit way back when. But the point is, a lot of people have this question when they come to tier 11. And Amanda, this is a question that you're being asked now with your new job over at Boss Babe. What is it that is stuck in your craw for the Perpetual Traffic listener? So I'm actually glad that Ralph, you wanted to do this episode because I have been so curious around, obviously my whole world is surrounded by like organic content right now. So I have not been in the paid media space, but during the product launch that we've been working on over the past month, we've obviously been leveraging paid media, just not in my department. And I am so curious on not just paid media, but like, how much does it typically take to even acquire a customer through the right channels? Like when you're looking for your clients at tier 11, what really goes into it? Because a digital marketer, you know, Molly historically actually built out like a calculator on like customer acquisition and how much you should be able to pay. That obviously is not my area of expertise. So is it still the same? Has it changed? Like has the number of like what you should, you know, as a business owner, is there like a specific target that you should hit on like the cost of a customer? What is the cost of a customer, Ralph? Yeah. And that's a great question. And I think the way that I look at it as I don't necessarily look at it as advertising based. Mm -hmm. I look at it as what's my marketing department spending? And that could be like, I talk, I call that the marketing selling general and administrative, the MSGA. Sorry, so, say that again. <laughs> the marketing selling general and administrative. So Ooh. like on a, on a profit and loss sheet, on a P&L sheet, like I look at all our expenses. Mm. I look at our cost of goods sold, which for us is employees, people. But yeah. then we have a marketing line item, which is typically under like selling general administrative, like there's COGS and there's SGNA. I look at marketing selling general administrative, if I can say that quite correctly, MSGNA. You're speaking gibberish to me, Ralph. <laughs> but what that is, like you're a marketing cost, for example, for Boss yeah. Babe. Yeah. Okay. So let's say you spend $100,000 a year on SEO or on mm -hmm. content marketing. Like that's part of your acquisition cost. Like yeah. that is a cost that is associated with eventually part of your profitability, but also like how much you can pay to acquire a customer. So I don't necessarily look at it as just advertising. Is advertising a big chunk of that? Absolutely. And I think if we go through it step by step, you'll see how I think about it from a CEO's perspective. 
And even though I run an ad agency, it's not just all like what we're spending on Google and Facebook and, and YouTube. It's everything that goes along with it because that's a cost center that we're investing in order to create value later on for you know, acquiring new customers that we can then help grow and scale their businesses. This is fascinating to me because I think it's not just like you just said, it's not just ad dollars, but it's also, you know, people dollars to acquire a customer because I need people in order to market my product. So how much am I paying for a person to then pay to then acquire the customer? I feel like you don't really think about that, but also that you don't think about not just the people side of things of like, you know, even if it's not costing you upfront, like what is it costing you to send to your list? And this is the wrong use of the word, but like tire your list every time that you send an email. So like, what is that cost in terms of, you know, making sure that you don't exhaust your prospects and all of that? I am very excited to dive into this. <laughs> Yeah, that's a tougher one to manage, but I think, you know, through this conversation we can certainly get a ballpark mm -hmm. on it. So, I think maybe the best way to look at it is, you know, how much can you pay to acquire a customer? When I say pay to acquire a customer, I'm not talking about a CPA or a cost per acquisition on Facebook. I'm talking about like what is your marketing expense? Like for you at Boss Babe or for you at mm -hmm. Digital Marketer, you were part of the marketing department. Yeah. You are a marketing expense. So, mm -hmm. I would look at you, I would put you in a separate line item under my marketing stuff, not under cost of goods sold, which for us is, you know, it's people. Like those are the people that fulfill. Those are the people that buy media. Those are the people that create our creatives, do our dev, you know, our customer success, all that stuff. So I put them in a separate bucket, but we're a service-based business. So my cogs are different than a guy who's running an e-commerce business yeah. right, versus a digital business that's only digital, just like digital marketer does with some, you know, live events and that sort of thing. So I think it really, it's your product mix is going to determine how much you can acquire a customer for, but also based upon your intended profitability as well. So it sounds like that's the first step it was like, you start to separate, like, what are the different buckets? So it sounds like bucket one, step one is okay figure out your buckets, number one. Mm -hmm. So like, what are your big, obviously people, obviously, you know, budget. And then where does it go from there? Yeah. So you can look at it any number of, of ways. So you can reverse engineer it by figuring out what your costs are and what your profitability is and, all, and then figure out what your CPA or what your customer acquisition costs should be. Or you can do it like, front ways, figuring out what your lifetime value is. So let's go through what you asked, which is, okay, let's look at overall, what are my expenses? So that starts with the big conversation of like, what is your customer lifetime value? Yes. I love talking about this. That's a big <laughs> part of it. So like, all right, we're talking about customer acquisition cost, but what is a good customer acquisition cost depends on this number. So this is uh, we refer to as CLV. Mm -hmm. So we're going to use a lot of acronyms here. First off, customer acquisition cost is CAC. <laughs> you have no idea how long it took me to learn these terms when I, I think I just finished learning them by the time I went to Boss Babe. I think it takes so long to learn marketing acronyms, but we won't even get into that. Let's continue. <laughs> so true though, but as a new hire, 
Like if you talk to your boss in these terms, you will like be running that company. Like yeah. then like the next year. So, no, seriously. <laughs> Pro like, tip for anyone getting hired at tier 11. <laughs> absolutely. If you figure out, all right, I got to figure out what your costs are and all this sort of stuff. So we increase our customer lifetime value. But a CEO would be like, holy crap, like this is a dream employee. Because that's what you like. If you're keeping your eye on that, you're probably a pretty good you know, entrepreneur, because that is the thing that drives everything else. Yeah. And the, the finances drive everything else. Like we joke about at tier 11, the first email I, I open and the first channel I open on Slack is always from my finance department mm-hmm. because without that, nothing matters. So having said that, you need to know your customer lifetime value or your CLV to know your CAC, which is your customer acquisition cost. So how do you figure out your customer lifetime value? So really easy, the easy way to do it. And it's what we tell a lot of our businesses that we work with, that we don't really know their back end. We don't really know what their books look like. We just say, all right, let's take an average of all your products. And let's say they've got 10 products and the average price point is 25 bucks. Okay. Just multiply that by anywhere between like two to 10. Mm -hmm. So let's say times five, let's say start off there. So your customer lifetime value, just like back of the napkin, like this is probably not very accurate, 125 bucks, maybe 150 bucks, that kind of thing. You can start with a number like that, but that's an okay place to start. It's better to actually go a little bit deeper and go into your CRM, for example. So if you are a business and you have customers, or let's say we're gonna use in this example, a business that has customers and we just want to figure out what they can pay to acquire a new customer. Let's say you go back into your CRM for the last three, six, or maybe 12 months. 12 months is probably the best. And you get all your active customers and get mm-hmm. that number. So let's say, you know, you, uh, you have a thousand customers in mm-hmm. the last year. These are new customers. They're not duplicate customers, but these are customers who may have bought once, maybe bought twice, maybe bought 10 times. Mm-hmm. So we'll break this down into individual models for e-commerce, for service, and then for digital products, but just use this sort of an example to start off with. So you've got a thousand customers, and let's say to keep things really easy, you've got a million in sales. Like this is a typical kind of person that we would talk to at tier 11. They're not quite maybe at the point where they could hire us, but they want to get to that next level. So I'm speaking to a lot of businesses probably just by mentioning this. So if you're around seven figures or maybe less high six figures, figure out how many customers you have, figure out what your revenue is and just simply divide your customers into the number. And that then gives you your customer lifetime value or your CLV for the last 12 months. Maybe, you know, your business you know, it's typically, it's a three month life cycle for a business. Maybe it's six months, maybe it's 12, maybe it's 24, maybe it's 36 months. You know, for us, for a customer, it's sometimes up to five years. But the point is, if you start off with a year, you're at least starting at the right spot. So in that case, you've got a million dollars in sales. All right. You got a thousand customers. What is your customer lifetime value? A thousand. A thousand. Genius. (laughs) I'm a math genius. Amazing. So that's your customer lifetime value. Now, that is a basic way of doing it, but it's a very easy way of doing it. And it's a, it's a, you can have your, you know, your financial person, your CFO, or just look into your books, look into your back end for Shopify, you know, whatever it happens to be, or your CRM. That's typically where we will, will do it. 
we'll actually do this through what we have two metrics. We know what our lifetime customer value is, but we also know what our uh, average revenue per month is per customer too. So you can break this down into all kinds of different metrics. But anyway, if you understand what your customer lifetime value is, that's the start. So take your sales for the last year, take your number of customers, divide them, and then you get your CLV. And that's where you start with this whole exercise. So now that you've determined what your customer lifetime value is, you also have to think to yourself, and this is something that a lot of people don't think about, and whether this is step two or step 1B, I think <laughs> is really important, is how long does it take to earn that $1,000? Yeah, that's my question. So when you're doing that from the get-go, you're looking at it for a year, but you had even said, you know, some customers take, you know, longer to acquire than some customer retention is longer than others. So how do you take that into account? That's where you have to do a little bit of a guesswork. Mm -hmm. So you could probably look at it. Uh, how long have these customers been paying us, for example? So for us, let's say we have you know half a dozen who are five years, and then we have some who are brand new or are just new customers, so maybe they're a month, and then you've got some others that are a year or so. Mm -hmm. You can look at all those figures, you know, figure it out by months maybe, and just take an average. Yeah. So five times twelve is you know sixty. So we'd have mm -hmm. five people at sixty, and then we'd have you know twenty at twelve, and then maybe we have you know ten at three months. That is your average. The point is like, that's how you, long they're actually with you. But the real case is like, if you have that customer lifetime value, like what is the average? Mm -hmm. So for us, I think the average is probably about six months is, is my guess. Anywhere between six to 12 months, if I looked at it that way. Mm -hmm. I think if you're running a, a, a digital products business and you're doing a continuity program, it might be anywhere between three to nine months, mm -hmm. might be 12 months. Take that average and figure that into it. Is that a healthy average based on like a running a marketing agency and doing marketing services or any kind of like digital marketing service, like six to nine months? That's generally a pretty healthy average, I'd say. I'd say it's a, that's a pretty good average. It's going to depend really on the business itself. And I think there's a business model. We, yeah, we can go down, you know, individual rabbit holes for a lot of different types of customers. <laughs> but the point is like, are you making money and how fast are you getting that money mm -hmm. back? And, but I look at it in three different ways. So if you are, how long does it take to earn that entire CLV? If you want to earn it within one to seven days, like you need, um, you, you probably have the least amount of cash on board mm -hmm. in order to make that up. So mm -hmm. one to seven days. So that is somebody who is immediately profitable on day one. All right, I acquire a customer, for you know whatever my cost is and I'm profitable. And we'll get into profitability next. Mm -hmm. But that's a business that is very unleveraged. So those are the people that come to us and say, hey, I want a 5X ROAS on day one on all my <laughs> ad spend. My, you know, it does happen sometimes. The ones who actually have cash in the bank and, and pay to acquire a customer or pay more to acquire a customer are the ones who ultimately win, like we talk mm -hmm. about all the time. So fast is, you know, one to seven days, you need, uh, you probably have the least amount of cash because you're, you need that cash for operations, mm -hmm. maybe between eight days and 30 days. That's about medium. That's pretty yeah. good. Now I know digital marketer basically breaks even on, 
you know, their marketing spend in their mm -hmm. first 30 days is my mm -hmm. understanding. So that's yep. fairly healthy. So if you can acquire a customer and you start making money on them after day 30, pretty mm -hmm. good. You need a little bit more cash, mm -hmm. obviously, on hand because you have to front that cost depending on how you're leveraging your credit and everything else. But for those who have a slow win back between 30 and 180 days, mm -hmm. for us, tier 11 is in this category. So we'll acquire a customer and we'll break even or probably go a little bit negative on the first 30 days. And then we start be becoming profitable on day yeah. 60 to 90, thereabouts. Yeah. And I think for a service-based business, that is- say, That makes more sense to me because you need those 30 days to ramp up even and Absolutely. get a customer settled. So that makes complete sense. Absolutely. And for us, like we have cash on board, like we are not going to go, if we don't make money on day one, after we acquire a customer, we're not going to go out of business. Mm -hmm. So we know that. So for those longer timeframes, you typically will need at least that amount of time in cash to cover all your expenses, cover all your, you know, selling general administrative, your cogs, all this sort of stuff that we'll go through here in just a second. So I think it's important to remember that customer lifetime value is is related to how fast that money actually comes in. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So that is customer lifetime value. That's the most important metric that you need to figure out first and foremost. Now, what can you pay to acquire a customer? So we want to figure out our CAC here. And there's two ways of doing this. There's the basic way. Um, and then there's the true way. So <clears throat> the price you want to pay to acquire a new customer is customer acquisition cost. And I think with most people, and like you said here, Amanda, is that you think about this as advertising costs primarily, but it's actually not advertising costs. There's really two basic ways in which you can calculate this through marketing campaign costs. And then by total customers acquired, that would then be your customer acquisition cost. 
But what you really want to do is you want to add in your overall marketing costs, like your team and all the other things that go along with it. And that's probably a larger number. So let me sort of back this out for you. So let's say you spent $100,000 this past year on Facebook ads and you acquired 1,000 customers. So pretty basic. All right, I've spent that on Facebook. I'm not factoring in any other costs, but just my advertising costs. But I acquired 1,000 customers. So my customer acquisition cost in that case is $100. Simple, 100,000 divided by 1,000 equals 100. But your true customer acquisition cost is a little bit different because most companies have additional costs in addition to marketing campaign costs. So this might be wages of the marketing staff, for example, like your salary, Amanda, obviously. Maybe you have a designer, maybe you have content marketing people, maybe you have writers, maybe you have videographers, maybe you've got some software that you need in order to run your email marketing system. Maybe you've got an agency that does certain parts of your marketing in one way, shape or form. So a lot of this is like for us, it's like our marketing director and our sales guy, like and our admins that go along with that. So for us, our marketing staff is part of this. Our sales staff is part of this. That means sales support staff. It means designers. It means people who help us out with our content marketing. It means our marketing director's salary. So all of that is factored in as well, because that's part of your marketing cost. It's not just campaign costs, what you in Facebook, what you spent last month. Let's say in this example, you're spending, just for round figures, you're spending $100,000 on your advertising campaigns, but you're spending, if you add everything up over the entire year, you're spending $100,000 on campaign costs, but you're spending $100,000 additionally on all these other costs. Your customer acquisition cost is gonna be different as a result. So if you acquire 1,000 customers, your costs are now no longer just $100,000. It's $200,000. $100,000 for your marketing campaigns, your advertising, and $100,000 for all your marketing expenses. So your customer acquisition cost, in this case, is now $200. So if you look at customer lifetime value, CLV, and CAC, they're the two biggest metrics and the most important metrics for you to figure out the next step is $200. Is that a good number? So the next thing you need to do is you need to figure out, okay, you've got $1,000 customer lifetime value. Now you got to figure out all your expenses. You've already figured out what your current cost to acquire a customer is. For In this example, it's $200. But out of that thousand, we have other costs, right? You're running a business. You have other things that go along with running a business. It's not just your marketing expense. You have to pay yourself. You have to have a building and all these other sorts of things. You're virtual. You save money there. But the point is you have to figure out what your costs are. So first thing you want to figure out is your refund rate. A lot of people don't think about this. So this is one of those things that you're going to take away. These are now the expenses that are going to mount up to figure out whether our CAC of 200 is good or not. So let's say, just for the sake of argument, we have a 10% refund rate. Probably conservative, relatively speaking. So that is $100 off our $1,000 CLV. So now we're looking at $900. Now you want to think about, okay, what's my cost of goods sold? So whether you're e-commerce, whether you're digital, whether you're a service, this is going to vary. And we can even go through individual models that will explain where the good cost of goods sold might be in your business. But the point is COGS is one of three things. It's either if you're an e-commerce business, it's your manufacturing costs, your shipping costs, your storage costs. The The raw cost of actually 
you know, acquiring or building that product that you then sell. So COGS is pretty specific there. Digital is less so. If you're a digital marketing business, you have your servers and your email, maybe that's covered under marketing costs, but digital products are beautiful because they really don't have a whole lot of cost of goods sold, which is one of the beauties in the model. In a services business like us, COGS for us is personnel. So people who fulfill on the ads, on the design, all that sort of stuff. So let's say in this hypothetical model, you've got a refund rate of 10%. Let's say your COGS is, will be a digital product, for example. Our COGS is 10%. So now you've gone from $1,000 customer lifetime value down to 800. Next is your overhead. So this is another expense that you have to figure out. So this is, let's say you're a, a digital company or an e-commerce company. Overhead here is probably gonna be your payroll. In a services-based business, payroll might be part of cost of goods sold. So we're moving the expenses around. But the point is overhead also includes accounting, your legal, travel, entertainment, as long as it's not marketing related. So let's say in our hypothetical example here, 30% of our customer lifetime value is spent on overhead. So now we're down to $500, okay? So we've got $300 of overhead, $100 of refund, $100 of cost of goods sold. Now you wanna figure out the next step, which is your desired profitability. So part of this whole thing is actually just to turn a profit as a business, right? <laughs> if you don't turn a profit, you're losing money, you won't survive as a business. So. 20 to 50% of customer lifetime value is a reasonable percentage for profitability, probably higher for digital products, upwards of 50%. E-commerce, maybe 10 to 20%. Maybe in the service-based business, it's 30 to 50%. So in our model here, let's just use 20% or $200. So now we're down to $300. And that's all we got left. And that is your tolerable cost to acquire a customer, is what's left over after all those expenses. So in our case, we figured out to start off that we were, our customer acquisition cost was $200, right? Just hypothetically. But in actuality, based upon this model, I can pay upwards of $300 for to acquire a customer. And that's really how you figure it out. One of the parts that people never really factor in is desired profitability. You have to put in profitability as part of this whole equation. So taking a step back, let's look at it again, because a lot of numbers here, a lot of acronyms. We determined that our customer lifetime value is $1,000, okay? We determined our refund rate is $100 or 10%. We determined our cost of goods sold was $100 or 10%. We've determined that our overhead was $300 or 30%. And we determined that our desired profitability in this case is $200 or 20%, which leaves us, if you do all that math, 1,000 minus 100 minus 300 minus 200 comes out with the magic number of $300. And that is what this hypothetical business can pay up to in order to acquire a customer. So that's really how you wanna look at this because you can pay less or pay half, but probably what you're doing is you're probably giving up sales on the front end 
that you could be getting if you expanded your customer acquisition cost to the full 300. So let's look at it from this perspective. If it's, you know, if your customer lifetime value to your CAC ratio is one to one or less than one to one, that's very bad. <laughs> but if it's one to one and then profitable on day 30, pretty good. But if you're two to one, three to one, or even four to one, you're in a very good profitability standpoint. But I think the sweet spot is really is right around where our model is here is about three to one. My customer lifetime value is $1,000. What I can pay to acquire customers about $300. And that's going to allow me to really scale and grow because I know the finances are taking care of themselves. And I'm also paying as much as I possibly can. Remember, he or she who is willing and able to acquire a customer for more money ends up winning the game. And that's really where you should be. If you're at that three to one range, seems like that's about the sweet spot, you know, looking at thousands of businesses every single year here at Tier 11. If you can figure out what your customer acquisition cost is, and it's one third of your lifetime value, you're in a pretty good spot as a business, all things being equal. Like, so in our, you know, hypothetical example here, we used 30, we used 30% of our lifetime value, our customer lifetime value. That's about right. If it was 33%, that'd probably be what more businesses are looking at. Now, a lot of businesses want less than that. They hire agencies like us to get it down to 10 or 20 or $15. The point is that if you know your numbers, you can scale by having the ability to pay more to acquire a customer. And that's the key to scale is that when you're a, when you're a hundred thousand dollar business, Amanda, like you might be at a 50% net profit, which is great. You know, you might be making 50 K off that hundred K. Well, if you're a million dollar business, you probably aren't making a 50% profit on that million dollars. Like you have to, as you grow, your costs expand, you might actually get maybe a 25% profit at the end of the day. But as a million dollar business versus a hundred thousand dollar business, if you're at a 25% margin, you're making $250,000 in net profit as a hundred thousand dollar business at a 50% profit, you're only making 50,000. So you're making five X in real dollars. And this is what a lot of businesses really miss. But that is the key to scale as you grow. And we've done it here. As we scale and grow, we add more personnel. Our margins start to shrink, you know, to maintain competitiveness in the market. That's just the way that it was. And when I explain those numbers, those aren't too inaccurate from our life cycle as a business. When we were a 100K business, we were probably making about a 50% net. I was keeping 50K, but I wanted to grow it to a million, million plus. And then we accepted less percentage of profit, but it's a larger dollar figure, which then drives that cash flow drives the business forward. So in summary, the big equation, the big takeaway that you should remember as a business owner here is customer lifetime value divided by customer acquisition cost, which we refer to as the CLV CAC ratio should be around three. Should be. It all, there's going to be differences based upon your business, but in all actuality, that's fairly healthy. If you're higher than that, if you're a four or a five, you should spend more on marketing. If you're less than that, you should figure out ways to increase your conversions, reduce your costs in some way, shape or form. The point is three 
is a good way to go. And I love the number three, Amanda. Anyway, just because it's a good business <laughs> number, things come in threes, good things come in threes. The point is like, if you can do that, figure out customer lifetime value, divide it by your customer acquisition costs, and it comes out to a number that equals in and around three, you're in a pretty good spot. So that is, in essence, how much you can pay to acquire a new customer. It all starts with CLV and CAC, and we'll leave all the references and all the goodies for this show inside the show notes over at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 299. Until next week, see ya. listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.